Welcome back to 1292 JBK. I am Tom McConnell. Substituting in for Jim Chapman, this is left, right, and center. I don't know if I'm on the left, the right, or in the center, but we'll find out soon enough on this issue. Joining me today are Bob Metz and Jeff Slemmer. Good morning, Tom, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. I keep thinking good afternoon. I have to correct myself because yes. I'm the afternoon guy. Now I have to go yeah, into So you're the not awake yet or anything like that? Uh, not even it? close. Oh. Not even close. By about noon, I wake up uh-huh. just in time to sign off. <laughs> So we're going to start off, and Jeff, I'm going to pose, uh, you know, just a question to you, and not even a question, about the anti-terrorism bill that was recently passed by the federal government. And you're a lawyer, and uh, you may have some personal, uh, you know, bias against this, but what's your feelings about the anti-terrorism bill? Is it strong enough? Is it too strong? How do you feel? Well, I I, uh, have some serious concerns about it, and I realize that... uh, in the wake of uh, September 11th, that um, you know we need to go back and sort of review our security and those kinds of things. But uh, there are there are people in society who are not big on the idea that uh, that we have a charter of rights. They're not big on the idea that uh, people have a right to a lawyer and so on. And they come back to this whole thing that as long as you're not doing anything wrong, you never have anything to worry about. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. And unfortunately, over and over again, we've seen that that's just not the way it works. And uh, so the anti-terrorism bill. Uh, proposes to take away a lot of rights to uh, to have a lawyer, to have a trial in certain circumstances. The government can do all kinds of things in secret. They can do all kinds of more surveillance on people than they could have before. And and I was struck that uh, somebody had suggested uh, in relation to the American equivalent bill that the worst time to think about making such fundamental changes is uh, when, you're, when you're in shell shock, basically. Uh, and that's what we're talking about doing. The other thing is that uh, somebody had suggested that uh, terrorism in order to succeed requires that you get terrified that is that you change your way of life as a result of something they've done and one thing that we've seen out of all of this is that uh, the uh, the al-qaeda guys basically seem to have one shot at this and they took their big shot and they got lucky and uh, pulled off uh, you know a big coup but since then they haven't been able to do anything else and so if we're concerned about those guys it looks like they're on their way out. The only other terrorism threat that's come up in the United States since then was uh, the anthrax, which now uh, is pretty clearly an American strain of anthrax. They're pretty sure it was an American who did it. Uh, but in the United States, I gather, right now, there are over 1,500 people sitting in jails uh, who have no right to a lawyer. They have no right to a trial. They can be held forever. Uh, and uh, to me, that's that means we're changing one of the fundamental things about our society, which is that we believe in a right to uh, a trial. If somebody accuses you of something, you have a right to defend yourself. You have a right to get a lawyer and uh, and uh, make sure that your side is heard. Uh, we shouldn't get terrified and stop doing that because these guys got lucky on one day. Well, didn't Al-Qaeda, though, almost come out of nowhere, that it was off the radar necessarily, that a lot of intelligence people knew about Al-Qaeda, but certainly if they knew more about Al-Qaeda, then then could they have prevented it? And necessarily that the next group of terrorism, it's not going to be Al-Qaeda, it's going to be another group, that we can't predict where these groups are going to come from or their actions. So saying that it's one group, it was one time. I don't think you can ever really prevent crime or prevent anything. You can take precautions, but to actually prevent... Uh, an act of some terrorist, somebody who's actually consciously making a plan to avoid you, to to do things in secret, to carry out a plan that no one would even suspect would even happen, is an impossibility. Police and our uh, our security services are recursive in nature. They're not they're not preventative. And as soon as the law tries to get preventative, you live in a police state. I thought it was really odd that after uh, uh, you know September 11th, for the first time in a long time, we heard all our political leaders using that word freedom and that we were going to fight for our individual freedoms against these hordes of people who do not share our freedom. And then 
what do they do? They start passing a whole bunch of legislation that chips away at our freedoms. And I'm thinking, well, whose side are these guys on? Um, one of the things we have to realize, the police have always had the powers that they need to do proper surveillance and issues like that. What has restrained them in the past is the fact that they would be held responsible for their actions. So that if a police officer, say, came to your home and arrested you, um, and then it was found out to be later that you were innocent, you would have some means of, of, of recourse. You could go to court, sue them, get recompensed in some way. The laws that are coming through now are saying that the police no longer have to be responsible for their actions. And one of the scariest ones is in Ontario, Bill 30, which has already passed third reading, introduced by the Harris government. It is basically asset forfeiture, and they can basically, on the basis of suspicion, it's, it's the balance of probabilities, not... Uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty anymore. Well, they can more, take more your like property in a civil away. Trial yes, it is a civil. It is a civil procedure rather than criminal. Mm -hmm. And basically, even if you are found uh, not guilty, even if you are not charged, even if you are acquitted, they can still keep your property, even if they believe that the property may be used in the commission of a crime in the future. And this is literally written word for word in this bill, which is passing through the legislature. And and there's no media screaming about it. I don't understand that. Um, and that was, and that, this was drafted long before September yeah. 11th, by the way. Well, that's right. That's, I think the direction that things have been going is to, uh, to move towards more power for the police uh, over the last several years. And, and one thing about al-Qaeda is that uh, it's not that they came out of nowhere in the sense that Osama was like public enemy number one on the FBI list for the last three years. Uh, you know, they've tried to uh, do him in several times because he's been blowing things up around the world, but this was the first time he actually did it in the United States. But there's been terrorists around since the beginning of time, you know, one way or another. And the question is whether... Now we changed to become uh, a much different society because of one terrorist act. It was a huge, dramatic terrorist act, but it was another terrorist act. You know, before that we had Oklahoma City. You know, you can go back through history and find tons of places where somebody has come up with a clever way to kill a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, but fundamentally, it seems to me that one of the reasons why uh, sort of North American culture has, uh, and uh, these countries have remained pretty strong in the, in the world is because it is an embracing culture. It is a culture where um, government doesn't have too much power. They've got a lot, but not nearly you know, as much as in dictatorships. I, I don't know if I, I really don't buy the idea that the world changed on September 11th. It was no different on September 11th than it was on September 10th. What happened on 11th was our awareness of what was going on changed. Um, these same terrorists bombed the World Trade Center in 1993. And I recently saw a documentary on that issue, and I was utterly amazed at how big an explosion that was. Mm -hmm. And the crater it put into the bottom of the Trade Center looked a lot like ground zero now. And yet the Americans didn't retaliate at that point. So, y you know, it seems to me that what the Americans do is they reward success. And here they were quite unexpectedly successful with their bringing down the Trade Center, and, then, and now they're getting their rewards. Well, you I know? think within a few months, in, in, didn't they round up the ringleaders, and, and, and pretty much everyone who was right, responsible in the States was in jail, except in, for whoever, you know, In terms of the direct them. people, but they didn't yes. bother going after the groups that fund them, or, you know, in, in the other countries, taking the attitude that they took now. Now, mind you, an event like September 11 certainly justified it, and that really was almost necessary in order for the public to get behind the government to do things about it. But then again, look at what we're doing. We have to be careful that in supposedly defending our individual freedoms, we don't pass a bunch of legislation that puts us into a police state forever and ever and ever and ever. 
Um, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, an open and free society is always going to come out on top. As soon as we start being like them, then we're going to be losers too. One of the things that really surprised me about this was that I had thought that part of the reason we needed to have these uh, uh, dramatically increased powers for government was that the idea was a conventional military wouldn't be effective against terrorism. And uh, the idea was that, uh, you know, these guys took on the United States knowing that they're far and away the most powerful military nation in the world, or in the nation in the world. Uh, and the idea was that these terrorists are shadowy and you can't do much about them with uh, conventional forces. And yet, and yet it seems like for some reason in the last couple of months they've been extremely successful against them and I don't know if it's just a uh, circumstances where there happened to be a northern alliance that they could support to go in and uh, and uh, take over and I guess certainly it looks like um, bin Laden really misjudged uh, Muslim sentiment because I, I, I can't imagine what his idea was uh, in doing this in the sense that he must have known he was going to have this massive retaliation I assume he thought it wasn't going to work somehow and I assume that he thought that it was because there was millions of Muslims between him and the Americans that somehow that that would protect him but if anything the, the success of the American military in the last couple months suggests that uh, you know the systems they have in place generally do have some effect I think uh, America has a overwhelming um, military power. That's why, ma as many commentators have said, that the only way you can fight a country like that, if you really want to do something to them, is through terrorism. That's the only way. You can't match them on their own terms. There's just no way. And, um, you know, as all our attentions are, are, are spent looking on terrorism, we also have to consider conventional defense things, anti-ballistic missile issues, mm -hmm. because there's a... I mean, I mean, terrorists aren't the only people that hate North Americans and people and countries that are capitalistic and successful. And there's a lot of other countries there's in the world... There's a lot fewer than there used to be, though. It's funny how that's really changed. Fewer, in fewer time. Well, you know, when I grew up, it was that there was the, the East and the West, you know, and every day we had uh, thousands of uh, nuclear missiles aimed at us, and uh, China didn't like us, and Russia didn't like us, and, uh, you know, there's all these other countries that didn't like us, and it seems that that's really changed in the last 12 years. Oh, you're like very North naive Korea. if you believe that. I, I haven't changed at all. They tolerate us more. I don't know if well, Russia likes us really, well, but they they they're they're willing to listen to I us. I don't think they want to shoot us anymore. No, well, no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't see. I don't see the Soviet China. Union or, or Russia as a as as the major threat right now. I think what you're looking at is basically the Korea, Chinese situation Korea. over Taiwan. You've got uh, and a lot of these little balkanized states around the world. And, but and even Libya came out strongly in support of the United States over the bombing. I just couldn't believe well, it. Well, everybody, everybody came out in support of the states. You had to. Say, you had to, to say that. Right. Number two. That's right. North Koreans say that. I but, uh, we're going to take a break right now. Diplomacy is, you know, the first yeah. part of war. <laughs> Let's take a break, and I want to come back to Bill 30, and maybe the implications that it was it was written before September 11th, sure. and it's passed into law, and it's uh, based on the balance, but could it not necessarily used for anti-terrorism, but is it maybe a weapon now that they were drafting for let's say the biker gangs that here you that have was that was the that original was, justification and it did and now that it's you know past september 11th and you see implications well maybe it could be used for criminal you know intentions with a terrorist group that that now it passed so easily without seemingly much uh, opposition well that that was because of the way they did it but that's another story bill 30 uh seemingly written, passed during uh, post-September 11th to fight uh, anti-terrorism, but, but written to more combat, uh, essentially, uh, criminal organizations. Well, what, what happened was it was originally called Bill 155, and um, there was considerable opposition to it, and there were public hearings held. I know that we had a representative there on behalf of the Freedom Party of Ontario, and there were a number of other people there. I've got videotapes of most of those hearings. However, in March, uh, the Harris government prorogued the legislature, and that means all the bills died on the table. So no one really was interested in it, and there wasn't that much attention on it because everybody figured, well, it was going to die anyway. What happened was when the legislature came back in April 19th, 
They reintroduced the same bill verbatim, called it Bill 30, and it went through its readings, and it's already gone past third reading, so that there wasn't really that much publicity or opposition to it. I don't know how long it will take before we start seeing the effects of it um, in a more broader sense, but it's an extremely dangerous bill. It uh, literally takes away all due process that most people take for granted with respect to their property. And the way the government's arguing is, well, it's not people, you know, we might not even charge you, you might not go to jail, it's just property, what are you worried about? As though they don't understand that there is a relationship between a person and his property. He earned it. You know, it's his. It doesn't belong to anybody else by any right, and certainly not by just suspicion or association. That's, and that's where they're going. It's extremely dangerous. And I, I think when we take out the rules of rules of evidence and issues like that and work on balance of probabilities... Uh, you're in a very dangerous situation. You're not living in a free society anymore. Well, another problem with that is that the government has unlimited resources to litigate, whereas the average person doesn't. That's right. And uh, if, you, if the government drags you into a court, you're looking at thousands and thousands of dollars just to defend yourself, and uh, usually you don't get that money back. Theoretically, they're supposed to award part of your cost back, but generally that doesn't get paid. Uh, and generally, the t cases like that get settled out of court where you end up uh, compromising your rights. Um, so, yeah, if the government's coming after you in a new way like this, I understand that the idea that it seems... Uh, unsavory that people who may have committed crimes live live uh, high on the hog, you know, and uh, you have the examples of sort of images of drug lords running around with their boats and all that kind of stuff, and that why should we spend tons of tax money tracking them down and let them keep all the money that they got as proceeds of crime. But on the other hand, it is a very slippery slope when you have a different standard of proof applied. Well, what, what's happened in a lot of places in the States is that uh, the big criminals obviously know how to hide their money, get it out of the way. They still can carry on with their criminal activity. By the way, the other part of the bill is that the police get to share in the profits of crime. So they're not interested in stopping the crime yeah. anymore. It's become a profit-sharing scheme so that it becomes in their interest to have more crime, particularly in drugs and vices and, and that area where most of the money is being made. So if they maximize profits and then seize them, yeah. and it'll go to the police. Absolutely, and that, that has, that's it's a formula for corruption and for close ties between organized crime and the police. And um, but, but why would they care? They want the money. And, you know, the issue is if they have to come to your home to check for a burglar in which there's really no money in, that, in it for them versus going and going after, you know, somebody's assets who they think is a drug dealer or something like that, or not even that. The act, or the Bill 30 says you can be guilty of an act or omission which means you might not do something that they can take your property for. Maybe you didn't fill out your tax return. Maybe you didn't do your census. Maybe you didn't do something, some regulatory thing. And that's grounds for, for, for coming after you. So, you know, these are the, the groundwork that, that you're putting in place for, for you know, I hate the, you know, the word for this is called fascism, when you're, when you're dealing with private property and state control of it without any due process. So we have to th look at that, and we have to consider the possibilities of what could happen in the future. And, you know, it's going to first start happening to just isolated cases, and nobody's going to really care about it. Oh, that guy was a, was a jerk anyway, or whatever, you know, until it starts hitting home with innocent people who really can't do anything about it and don't even understand the process and why these things are happening to them. That when the first case involves a member of, say, the Outlaws biker gang or a major, you know, cocaine distributor in Toronto, that you don't think people will go, he deserves it. I don't care what they the process might, is. They might, but biker gangs are the least people worried about this. I just, I found it amazing that that just, you know, virtually months after the government, the federal government this time, I think it was, it made it literally illegal to be a member, say, of Hell's Angels. Literally said you can't be one. Well, now we got Hell's Angels office set up on York Street. What does that tell you? 
With know? a changing sign, yeah. seemingly every week. That's rather. <laughs> I mean, it just shows you how how ludicrous the, le- the legislation is, <laughs> and that in fact it probably works in reverse. You know, it, it grants legitimacy to certain things, and and I don't think that's the way to do it. If you want to fight organized crime and take the profit out of crime, you legalize vices. You put them under certain regulatory controls instead of. Uh, you know, trying to make them illegal, because these activities go on all the time anyway. The funny thing is, if you look back 70 years, if you wanted to, uh, you could have a bookie, you could, uh, who's the bookie now? Well, the well, government runs ProLine. You could have the, the numbers operation, the gambling, yeah. and that's seven, and that's uh, 649, right. and uh, booze was illegal, oh, well, who's the boogus- biggest uh, that's booze? Right. So eventually, every vice just becomes another government, another uh, government cash, cow, cash cow, and then eventually we could see the lines of, uh, if you want a dime bag of marijuana, go to the government, go to the government marijuana store, maybe. So that's, that's along the lines of what you're thinking. It's coming. It's already coming. I mean, uh, marijuana slowly being legalized in sort of the back doorway. Now you can get medical marijuana in, in Canada. That's an amazing advancement. Road in a mine in Manitoba or somewhere? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. Yes. I think so. Deep in the yes. mines of Manitoba. And I thought it was funny that the, the, the government had to be supplied by their seeds, by seeds, uh, by Mark Emery, who sells, <laughs> sells seeds on... on, on Former uh, city, uh, yeah, city, city Lights, lights uh, owner. Proprietor. So he, he, he's supplying the government with their, their seed stock. Well, it is different, and it's interesting when, uh, say, we've got this uh, trend right now towards more police power, and uh, and people don't seem to mind that. We've got the cameras downtown, even though the uh, privacy commissioner says that that's not a good thing, and blah, blah, blah. And in some respects, I wonder how we ever got a c- to have a country that sort of as, uh, appears to have the freedoms that it does, in the sense that nobody really seems to care about those things. When you talk about people going and fighting wars over freedom and all that kind of stuff, it seems like we don't care that much about it, you know? And no, people we, take it for granted until yeah. it's gone. It's like air, you know? It's like your <laughs> breath. You know, until you, you really need it. it. You need it, you then you go, whoa, where, where is it? You know, yeah. and uh, that's that's been what has been the downfall of many civilizations to the extent that they achieved some level of freedom in the past. Um, but it seems natural that uh, government is going to try and rush into a vacuum of power and take as much as they can, and uh, that that's what we're seeing right now. And again, as long as there's not anybody opposing that or pushing back or anything else, they'll just keep doing it. It makes life easier for them. It makes life a lot easier for the police not to have to fight uh, these cases in court, to have secret trials, and uh, you know, to be able to round people up and do all the wiretapping they want and all that. It's a convenience for the police. Uh, you know, So, of course, they like the idea. Um, but again, what does it imply for the rest of us, and why don't we mind? You see, again, you've got to be careful to distinguish. Like, I think some wire tapping is justified, well, but you have to go through due process, right. and that you have to be responsible for what you do, so I don't want anybody thinking, when we're talking about this, that the police aren't allowed to do any of no, this well, at all. No, we've got all kinds of power right now exactly. to do all those things. But uh, to speak to the issue, you brought up the uh, cameras downtown. Uh, I'm, uh, I don't really see that as a big privacy issue, because I think the government can set up cameras if they want to, and when you're in public, you don't have a right to privacy. That's ridiculous. You have a right to privacy in a private setting, not in a public setting. And, uh, yeah, no, I, and I haven't been on record opposing them, but uh, all of a sudden the privacy commissioner, federal privacy commissioner, is out saying these things are wrong, bad, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and even I'm inured to the point where I don't even see it as a big issue, and I'm thinking, boy, I'm... Well, you, every time you walk into you a bank, even grocery stores, you know, other know, things, you're, you're, you've got cameras on I you know. all the time, you That's know? That's right. And even a lot of uh, just apartment buildings have security cameras and things like that. So there's a lot of places you can't go without being watched. You know, (laughs) it's to me privacy is something that you have to purchase, buy, or or get. Otherwise, you do have rights though. Just because there's cameras there doesn't mean that you still don't have rights. You know, that's a can't confuse those two things. This must be the last show before Christmas because it's been so congenial. Isn't everyone, it Everyone has sort of agreed. And now nobody knows whether you're left, right, or center. I still <laughs> am lost. Left, right, or center in the basement somewhere.